and welcome to the Alacrial Tarot Podcast, your source for learning all 78 cards in the deck, deepening your understanding, and developing your intuition, as well as general advice on your tarot journey. I'm Alacrial, a tarot reader in Iowa, and your host for this podcast. In this episode, we will be examining a topic requested by a patron. Kate requested that we investigate the ways in which cards combine to form meaning as they appear in a spread. Specifically, how we can read a pair of cards and how closely we should associate their meanings. Do we merge them to get a singular meaning, or do we take a more sequential approach to understanding how the energies might resolve? Do we treat the cards as more unified or separate, and in all of these instances, how do we know? These questions and more addressed just ahead. I hope you find this episode inspiring and insightful, and as always, that you enjoy the show. Well, welcome back, Tarot Tribe. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or at least I hope you're welcoming me back. It feels like it has been rather a long time since I was here uh, podcasting. Uh, it's been something that I've kind of been putting off, if I'm a little bit honest about it, for uh, various reasons. Some of them just, uh, you know, about the physical world and kind of, you know, having to work on my house and do things like that. And others, other reasons were kind of of a more, like, uh, spiritual, energetic, eh, it might not be quite the right time to release uh, anything. Uh, but now now it's feeling a little bit better. I do hope that the soundscape in the background isn't too bad. Um, Iowa has received a ton of snow just recently. We are kind of in blizzard watch for a little while longer, and there are snow blowers in operation outside, so that's all kinds of fun when it comes time to go ahead and record podcast audio. <laughs> Nevertheless, I hope you'll bear with me through it and that it's not too distracting. First order of business, we have some new patrons, and I cannot even remember if I have failed to thank you on the podcast for becoming a patron, and you would like that, please go ahead and let me know. It has just been a little bit disorganized, but from what I can make out, we've got two new additions since I last thanked patrons for joining, and those are the additions of Emily and Mimi, both of whom are holding up and representing the Knights tier. So thank you, thank you, as always, for joining the Patreon page. I hope you are enjoying the additional content that you now have access to. If you would like to follow Mimi and Emily's example, you are more than welcome. Hop on over to Patreon, search for me. I am Alacrial Tarot over there. And if not, if you're still wanting to continue to enjoy all of the lovely free content, by all means, visit me on Instagram. I'm pretty active over there too. I was thinking at some point that YouTube might be a thing. It's not going to be a thing. (laughs) I'm just going to let you in on that now. Ah, and with that bit of business taken care of, let's go ahead and have a look at our topic, which is multiple cards, or the interpretation of multiple cards. And we're going to look at pairs specifically today. Um, So, When would we use two tarot cards rather than just one? In general, my thought on that is when the idea being investigated is likely to be more complicated, complex, or multi-layered. 
uh, it's similar to the relationship in English of the noun to the adjective. Um, the essence of the scenario may be intimated by a single card, but then the other one might sharpen it or add meaning to it. Um, so I often, I often see things uh, as related in that way when looking at pairs of cards. Um, so you can have cards can have like equal weight uh, and so they can be taken together to get the meaning uh, so for example if we weight the empress and the emperor together um, you know they are two they're two opposite sides of a spectrum they're yin and yang operating together uh, that is a more a message more about balance because we have the two of them and we're reading them together there we're taking the extreme masculine and the extreme feminine and we're combining them into a message that means the union of that which is beautiful and sacred and harmonious uh, versus for example if we were to equally weight uh, the empress and the devil we might say that uh, it is um, it is femininity, creativity, uh, the ability to give birth, uh, fertility, fecundity, those sorts of things uh, that are being subjugated or held hostage by or in bondage to uh, something like that. So we're, in this case, we're sort of elevating the uh, the Empress card there saying, okay, it's about her, and then the, we're saying the Devil card is talking about uh, what kind. It's functioning more as the adjective to the noun in this case, um, if, if that begins to make a little bit of sense there. You can, so you can see how, depending on what cards actually come up, they might suggest to be read in one way versus the other. There's no obvious way to to read uh, to synthesize a completely new meaning out of two sort of opposite ends of a spectrum, like when we get the Empress and the Emperor together. There's no way to do that exact thing, I don't think, or I don't feel intuitively led to have done anything quite like that when I have two cards as different as, for example, the Empress and the Devil, like I was just using in those two hypotheticals there. But those are a couple of ways that that might play out. Um, so yeah, we, we did that second idea there, one card being the primary idea and the other being the one that modifies it in some way. Let me think of a couple of other examples here. Um, supposing we had death and the Ten of Swords. What might we say about a situation? If we're only using those two cards to describe a situation, or if we're using those two cards to talk about a moment in the situation. Sometimes I do use two cards to talk about the future outcome or the past or whatever. Whatever might need a little bit more clarity, what might need a little bit more to explain it than just a single card. Sometimes I will use a cluster like that. So supposing we had death and the ten of swords, what might we say about that? Um, well, probably nothing good. <laughs> no, but seriously though, the, the death card is about endings and the ten of swords is about violence, betrayal, um, that kind of thing, and a definitive end. It's like death is talking about an end and then the ten of swords is also talking about like an end and a little bit of unpleasantness along with it. An end with a side of unpleasantness um, is how I would uh, categorize that. So we're getting a strong message there because two of the cards sort of overlap in their meanings, both of them talking about endings. And I would say that it has a darker tone to it than, for example, if I had death, um, but then as the second card, I had the star. That would put me much more in mind of a transition 
uh, and a transition that is leading towards somewhere hopeful as the star is sort of the second one in that equation. Although you don't have to see it in terms of linear time. You can take them totally together and just synthesize one meaning out of that meaning sort of like a hopeful transition is how I would read the star and death combined together in that kind of example. And then the last way I can think about using pairs of cards and how those pairs might interact with one another uh, is kind of like when you clarify one. So there is a syncopation effect here from, from the timing. You, you've laid out the spread, um, you're querent, and you have gone through everything. But at the end of it, they have an additional question, something that was beyond uh, what was in the spread, or they have a question about what you have interpreted, and it requires you to draw another card. It requires a clarifying card. In this instance, we're kind of going back to the same situation there where we've got, um, in, in fact, I would say in, in all the time. Well, I can't say all the time, because the moment you say all the time, there's of course going to be an exception. But in general, I would say 90% of the time, unless your intuition is strongly speaking to you otherwise, in my view, when I have laid out a spread, and then I am drawing after the fact to clarify it, whatever came up in the original layout is weighted as slightly more important in my mind. Not that the clarifying card does not have its place, and not that it's not you know, potent in its own way. But whatever I'm clarifying with the clarifying card is more important. Um, so like in, in the examples that I just used, death was it would be like a card that was there first. And then if I drew the star on top of it, that would modify death, um, but it wouldn't change the quality that, you know, it is still a death, a transition and end sort of thing uh, there. And the only reason I would say that is because if you don't tend to think about it that way, then, okay, let's let's talk about, let's see. You, supposing you drew the Three of Swords, and then you drew, uh, to clarify the Three of Swords, you drew, oh, I don't know, something completely opposite. Let's say uh, the Ten of Cups, Ten of Cups, right? Okay, so Three of Swords, Heartbreak, Ten of Cups, Happily Ever After. How are we going to reconcile these together, right? Well, if you were to draw the Ten of Cups as a clarification to the Three of Swords, in my view, if you haven't established that, like, the Ten of Cups is subordinate in some way, in this case, to the Three of Swords, then you could be willing to overturn your initial finding. Um, incidentally, if I were going to interpret those together, I would say something like, Okay, heartbreak, yes, and that is the condition, but there is a reason behind it. It's as though um, the person is willing to undergo heartbreak because they recognize that there is a happily ever after, that their heartbreak is enabling. For instance, and this is um, like a really just, you know, off-the-wall kind of example, but think about how... Okay, so like your querent could be friends with somebody that they would like to be more than friends with. Maybe they have developed romantic feelings and are looking for the right time to talk about them with that. And then before they can, uh, this the object of their affection, uh, the individual in whom they're interested, actually falls madly in love with somebody else. Then, of course, as their friend, you are still happy for them. You recognize that by not saying something about your feelings, you are enabled 
enabling their happily ever after. Or maybe it, it's more advanced than that and, they, and they've gotten married and you come into the situation, you know, later and, and timing is different or whatever. But you can see how in that instance you have both happily ever after energy. It's there, but it's not the querence because the dominant energy in the life of the querent is still the card that surfaced first, which in that case was the Three of Swords. But it may ease um, some of the burden of that Three of Swords, and it might help it to click more into place to know, uh, you know, how it applies to the life of the querent uh, when you get it clarified. Um, that, that quality of, yes, I am heartbroken, but I am kind of doing this a little bit willingly because I recognize that it is enabling happiness somewhere, that gives it sort of a degree of uh, nobility, if you will. And, um, you know, personally, if I were on the receiving end of that, I would, I would want to know about ra that rather than just having been left with the idea that, oh yeah, well, you're heartbroken. And then if I were a querent, I would walk away from there thinking, oh yeah, gee, I am heartbroken. Like, dang, doesn't it suck that um, the, the love that I was going to pursue is no longer available to me. However, if it had been clarified, then I'm not stuck in sort of a negative thought cycle. I'm thinking instead on, yes, I do remember why I did that. I did have my reasons for not speaking up and not putting my feelings forward. It wasn't the right time. I'm not the right person. Whatever, whatever. But then you are thinking about it not in, in the negative sense purely, but rather in the more constructive um, and willing to accept what is and then able to move on a little bit better. Um, and I think therein lies a bit more powerful reading. Um, so yeah, when when your querents do have questions, encourage them to, you know, or be willing to, to within, you know, a reasonable degree, go ahead and pull clarifying cards for them. Because you may end up with a situation like that where the outcome of the reading is very different in the mind of the querent after they leave your table. So in order to illustrate uh, these concepts a little bit more fully and kind of just to get to get everybody accustomed to the idea of what I'm doing when I'm interpreting uh, two cards together like that, um, I'm going to go ahead and draw some just here on the spot and read them as though I were reading them for a pair of, you know, circumstances or, or maybe a single circumstance rather. Actually, we'll do, we'll, we'll, we'll juggle it up a little. We'll have, we'll have a few. So I'm going to shuffle these cards real quick right here. Okay, so they've had a nice shuffle. They're totally random. Let's draw out a couple. And let's say this is about a single question. And we're going into this knowing that we're going to draw two cards about that question. Let's say it's about a career. A person is concerned. They feel like they are in danger of being fired from their, from their job. And they're coming to the tarot for some guidance. Let's draw two cards for that scenario and then see what kind of example we can get out of the pair that arises. Okay, so I have the Five of Cups inverted, and then the Nine of Wands. So already we're getting a very clear energetic picture here. The Five of Cups inverted, eh, I can kind of see it being read a couple of different ways, depending on um, how you feel intuitively about the scenario. I could see it being read as recovery from loss, but... As it's the Five of Cups, I tend to view it as still kind of a negative card, and the inversion is sort of an amplification of that negative message. Rather than maybe recovery from a great loss, it's like that somebody is stuck in that 
um, negative mindset, maybe holding on to the loss, holding a grudge type of thing. But they're they're holding on to it and not like, and the energy has become sort of bound up in them. And then the nine of wands is of course that: do I stay or do I go? Should I continue to guard this position or should I throw in the towel? Um, should I continue to wait? Kind of what should I do? But we're seeing somebody that has a head injury there, so definitely has experienced um, some difficulty and some hardship through the course of whatever he is doing uh, in this scene. So if we apply these together equally, we would see that um, probably something some, something has wronged this person, wronged this querent, um, and they're holding on to that, and they are, it's subsequently causing them to question whether it's worth it to stay at their job anyway. Um, so yes, they may be worried about getting fired because already the relationship looks like it had been soured and they're holding on to some of that sourness. And then, yeah, the Nine of Wands suggests that they're already considering chucking it and, and making their departure already. So it's if to this querent and they were, they're concerned about losing their job, I would say, you know... It seems to me like you you may already like that's not that big of a deal to you. Like you would be easily able to accept that because there's already some bad blood there. Um, but in that way, I guess um, you just you just kind of take them together. One builds off of the other. You it, and see, I could even reverse them around and still get pretty much the same meaning. If I if I read the nine of wands coming first and then the uh, five of cups inverted, it would be like a should I should I stay or should I go? This person's feeling a little bit battered and beat up and holding onto a grudge as well. So something has wronged them at some point as well. So maybe a feeling of um, overwork or being taken advantage of or being not well compensated because it's, you know, more dangerous or something like that than was expected. And then just, yeah, holding on to that, letting that sort of burn a hole in, in your chest, so to speak. Really, you come up with the same meaning regardless of which card falls first. Although I'm, I suppose that we do have a natural human prejudice to see things sequentially. Um, so you can be aware of that, but I wouldn't get overly concerned about it. Anyway, that's the first example there, and it worked out very well for a career reading. For the next example, let's go to one of the next biggies. Let's talk about love. Um, maybe somebody has come to you and they are confused about uh, some something in their in their love life. Maybe they've got let's let's say they've got a couple of different romantic interests, and they're really genuinely attracted to both individuals, and they both have. Um, excellent qualities that would make them long-term partner material. Let's say we draw a pair of cards for each of the potential suitors. So uh, thing one and thing two. <laughs> that seems like a good, actually, that's, that's yes, that's a wonderful gender-neutral term. Thing one and thing two. We'll have that there. It works for your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your uh, interspecies friend, your friend from Neptune, Saturn, wherever. Thing one and thing two. We'll draw a pair for thing one and a pair for thing two, and then we will see um, sort of what potential futures may arise if you were to pursue a relationship with each one. So let's have a look here. Okay, we've got thing one has the king of swords inverted and the four of pentacles inverted. I'm not liking thing one very much. Thing two 
has the six of pentacles inverted and the eight of cups inverted. Uh, again, not really, not really good options here. <laughs> um, of the two, I still like thing two better, but there's still going to be difficulties, probably emotionally and financially, in a future that uh, arises with that person. But that may just be unavoidable. That might not even be as a result of that. Might, in other words, that might happen regardless of whether or not you went with thing two or some other thing. Um, because it might be partially uh, your baggage that you're bringing to it. You know, who knows? But um, either way, the, the, in, in the first instance, thing one here, we've got inverted king of swords and inverted four of pentacles. The inverted king of swords is not a good sort of vibe to be around. It's sort of a tyrant kind of energy. It wouldn't surprise me at all in the context of a romantic relationship if it was talking about somebody that was abusive or at least... Um, Perhaps not, like, violently abusive or not, like, you know, actually doing harm, but really at least very, very careless and self-absorbed. Um, and perhaps not that way all the time. I would hope not that way all the time, but um, often enough that it's it's becoming an issue or it's an issue. And then the Four of Pentacles is miserliness and stinginess. So it's somebody that's kind of selfish and then not giving, uh, maybe emotionally, and then also maybe that extends to the financial sense. Interesting that we've got um, sort of an emotional idea and then a financial idea in each one of these that came up here. For each of these suitors, for thing one, we have uh, the King of Swords, which is to me about personality and emotion, and then Four of Pentacles inverted, which is more about uh, the financial outlook. And then for thing two, we have the Eight of Cups inverted, and then the Six of Pentacles inverted. Again, Cups being emotions and Six being Pentacles. They kind of you know, mirrored one another and how they came out that way. That's rather interesting. But the Eight of Cups inverted is about... Um, feeling the need to move on, but maybe feeling stuck, I would say, at least in the context of a romantic relationship, and that would be a very uncomfortable place to be. You might feel a little bit trapped by that. Um, you know, at very least, the energy flow feels blocked in, in, the, in that kind of romantic context there. But then the Six of Pentacles inverted, to me, speaks about sort of unstable finances, the possibility of needing to rely on other people for uh, income, the possibility of being in heavy debt, that sort of thing. Um, still, though, the second one has less potential for abuse. Like I said, the King of Swords inverted to me is something that it could be an abusive personality. So of the two, I would recommend thing two, but really, if that's all the fish there are in the sea, you know, maybe herd cats or I don't know become a zebra rancher instead forget fish <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of how i feel about uh the options that presented themselves there very very interesting incidentally it's not uh it's not untrue i would say uh it's not a poor reflection of the current dating pool it seems and doesn't that suck because i know that there's quality individuals out there just like i i know there are truly i know there are and yet, <laughs> when you cast your gaze about, it can be a really disheartening subject. I am here to tell you, Alacriel is not immune to that problem. I feel you. For everyone out there that is like, geez Louise, like, <laughs> where are my people? Where's my tribe? I feel it. I feel it. So, interesting that thing one and thing two did not turn out to be good suitors. 
Okay, let's go to a different example. Uh, we've done career, we've done love. Let's do something else. Maybe somebody is... Uh, Ah, okay, I know. This is a little bit out there, um, but definitely at least somebody that listens to this will probably be wanting to use their cards in this way. And for those of you that don't, well, just take it as another example. But say, for example, we're going to be doing um, some spirit work or we're going to be asking for a departed ancestor to be influencing the reading. And we're going to draw a pair of cards because we want to know, A, um, you know, is the ancestor present uh, and, and they're giving us... Uh, information. And then B, we want to know what that message is. So a two-card reading, you know, will help to establish both of those things. So let's go ahead and have a look here. Uh, first card we get is the Seven of Swords inverted, and then the next card is Strength. So looking at this here, I would be inclined to answer, yeah, we've probably got a hold of one of your ancestors, um, but let me ask you a little bit about that person um, and find out. Because we've got one of the major arcana there coming up. It's, this, it's in the second position. Um, but it, it, is, it is still significant enough that I would be like, okay, is there one that you particularly admired? Was there somebody that was particularly strong, either physically, mentally, emotionally, or that like endured the most or was particularly patient? All of these are attributes that it would be associated with strength. And if they, they were asking to uh, connect with an ancestor that also possessed those attributes then I would say, yeah, it's a pretty positive indication that they're present. But then also, because it was preceded by the Seven of Swords inverted, uh, the Seven of Swords inverted is kind of like that turning over a new leaf energy. There has been some shadiness, but uh, the need or the change uh, that has been needed is is maybe at hand. Um, so perhaps they're coming uh, at a time when they have recently made some changes in their life. Maybe they have gotten over a severe addiction, or maybe they've yeah, maybe they've that, let's let's go with that. Maybe they have just quit cigarettes and they are um, incidentally wanting to know just kind of what their um, what their great grandfather. Uh, has to has to say about that. Well, if that were the case, and I was looking at this particular spread here, I would say that probably it's reasonable to conclude that he might be a little bit proud. Um, you know, the turning over a new leaf preceded by the, the strength card coming up. It's like, we see what you've done there, and yeah, that resonates with kind of how I lived my life. So um, the, the, con the, the com combination of those there, combined with what we know of that person's circumstances, Turning over a new leaf, plus the the strength card, the the representation of the departed ancestor. It means like the ancestor is giving us that message. They're talking to us about that. That is what they're interested in. And of course, you could go on and clarify with additional cards. And probably you wouldn't be doing just two cards for an entire ancestor reading. But if that was you know a topic that was coming up, or maybe you just wanted to do a quick insight spread, um, or just you know a quick pair for. For Samhain, you're you're pressed for time. You don't have time to do like a whole a whole ritual, a whole thing. So you draw a couple of cards. Well, this would still be very powerful, and potentially very encouraging. Um, so in those ways, the, those meanings are kind of a little bit more discreet, but they are related to one another and they kind of go together still. So I go ahead and put that in there as an example because yeah, it, you know it's also a little bit something different. 
Okay, so that covers sort of spirit work. Uh, what if somebody is confused about their life path or their life direction? That is another common topic uh, for for a spread or for a reading. Uh, again, it would be a little bit uncommon to be using only a pair of cards for uh, for this type of thing, but you know it's possible. Or maybe it's just a portion of what's come up in the spread. Um, maybe, yeah, let's let's think about it that way. Maybe you're drawing two cards to describe uh, the past, where they have been, to inform where they're going to be going. So this, uh, this has nothing to do with their future. You've got other cards uh, that are laid out talking about the future for them and where their life path is leading them. But for this part of the spread, you're just looking at the pair that described where they were in life, so where this person has been, their circumstances and feelings, and energies surrounding them at that time. So you get the Hierophant and you get the Ace of Wands. For this, I would say the Hierophant. Okay, probably a religious background, a religious upbringing, um, probably quite traditional. Um, maybe not, uh, but it would it would suggest that there is a strong pull toward tradition. Um, and and like I said, to me that speaks of organized religion, um, because again, this is going to be more concrete, and it's going to be more, um, you know, we're describing past circumstances for uh, this person. Um, the, then the Ace of Wands comes up in the second position there, and the Ace of Wands is, of course, about creativity or the birth of. To me, I look at these taken together, and depending on what I know of the Quirant, or uh, depending on what they've told me and how we're co-creating this reading together, I might look at this and say, okay, I see here that you come from a highly religious background, but it's that religious background that provided you the necessary pressure, the necessary impetus, the necessary drive to give birth to sort of a creative flame. Um, you know, it's easy for me to read kind of that story into it because that's kind of, I mean, it's not like 100% what happened uh, to me, but I know a little bit of something about, you know, being brought up in a religious background and then having like sort of a more creative um, approach to to life. That's, you know, how I have chosen to pursue uh, earning an income, earning a living, which is very different than what my parents before me did. Um, and and that sort of thing. So I can kind of read, you know, myself into to that pair of cards, uh, but I could easily see it being interpreted in a couple of different ways there too. Um, but anyway, that would be that would be one way to combine those sort of meanings because it then gives us it it adds that layer of yes, you were brought up in the religious background, great. But rather than just leaving it there and and not making any statements about that, it, it orients us. The Ace of Wands adding to it says, okay, you were in, you were brought up in a religious background, and it probably. Um, it probably inspired you uh, either through positive or negative means to, you know, pursue something more creative or to become more creative. It gave, it fanned the flame of your creativity sort of thing. That gives us the emotional component, the how this person feels about it, and that's really more at the heart of the reading uh, anyway. Uh, a lot of reality is our perception, and tarot is a mirror for our perceptions. When we look into the cards, we can change our perceptions, and there for our actions, and we can change whole outcomes as a result. That's part of uh, its its power. So, let's do uh, let's do one more example here. Let's come back around. Well, we'll come full circle. Uh, let's do another one for 
uh, for career. This will be, and let's focus again uh, in on it. Maybe we've done like a, a more lengthy career reading and we've got a client that has asked not about being fired this time, but they are trying to know when is the right timing uh, to go and get, uh, to, to go and ask for a raise. Mm, that's a good one. To, when should I ask for a raise? I know that I want to, it's just I'm not sure when I ought. Okay, so maybe you lay out uh, a couple of cards um, to represent, uh, you know, each month. Maybe this person wants to ask for a raise in the next six months, so you lay out, you know, 12 cards there, two for each month, to, to give you an idea of what the energy is going to be at work, or maybe surrounding that person's manager, or whatever, and that'll give them a better idea of when is the ideal time. And say you're looking at the third month here. We'll just focus in on the third month. We've got the Page of Wands, and we've got the Ten of Wands there. Interesting. Both wands, both fire. Um, both can be associated with business. The page is uh, one that speaks to me about youth, um, about the promise of creativity, and about the promise of you know potential within there, but perhaps uh, bigger ideas and dreams and less experience. Within the Ten of Wands speaks to me about overwork. You know, if I were looking at this um, type of uh, spread here. Again, it's hard for me not to read my own personal experiences into that, but I know my experience is not totally unique, and I know for every me out there, there's, you know, 52 other millennials that have experienced probably this exact same set of circumstances, and that is that, like, okay, you will be looked at when you go to your manager as young, um, and then they are going to perhaps look at you uh, as talking about how much work you're doing as complaint rather than as a, um, a valid reason why you ought to be compensated better uh, for the work that you're putting in there. The page of wands is really what makes me think that, you know, I would look for another month, one in which I'm not going to be perceived as quite so young, as quite so childlike, because it's an unfortunate thing that, you know, when you are it seems like under 30 uh, in in this, you know, sort of corporate businessy age, uh, I don't think you're really taken very seriously. Um, so, so for some reason, with age comes respect, even though it might not always be deserved. Um, and in the context of somebody that's asking for a raise, it's going to come off as a bit childish, I think, in the mind of the person that's going to be making that decision, at least based on the page of Juan's appearance here. And then, like I said, um, what they're going to maybe object to in particular is this is described by this Ten of Wands situation here, uh, that being the workload of, um, of perhaps the person that is asking them for a raise. Uh, maybe they're looking at it, and or, or maybe they're feeling overworked at the time, so it's not a good time to be bringing them these pie-in-the-sky, ridiculous, childish notions of, like, more money sort of thing. I could see that, too, being the case. Either way, uh, the Page of Wands ordinarily would be a pretty positive card, but because it's coming up in a context about should I ask for a raise, um, and to me this is going to feel like it's more describing... Um, like I said, how the querent will be perceived, I would say, eh, it's not such a great thing there. Plus the Ten of Wands, talking about overwork, if it's the querent that's being overworked, no good. If it's their manager that's being overworked, also no good. Overworked is not good for anybody. So hopefully we would find a different pair of cards 
corresponding to a different month where we could say, no, nah, this is probably a better month uh, to go ahead and ask for your raise in. There is another way for kind of combining card meanings together, I suppose. It's a little bit, uh, it's probably not the thing that I do most often or most frequently, but I definitely have used this technique before, so I do want to mention it. And that is, you can kind of conceive of the pair of cards, or really more if you want to get crazy with it, but you can conceive of the pair of cards in front of you as both being a part of the same scene. So imagine you took elements from both cards and combined them into a totally new tarot card. What does that new meaning look like? How does it alter? Let's do an example of, of that kind of thinking. Um, and in this, in this way, uh, the direction and like the way the figures are posed and all this sort of thing begins to uh, become more significant. Because if they're happening within the same tarot card, how does a figure pointing to the left uh, impact a figure on another card um, who was not looking in that direction? Were they blindsided by something? You know, so in that way, the, the poses and the, uh, the orientation, the spatial relationships uh, between the cards and the figures within the cards become important. So let's have, a, let's have one of those examples here. We've got the Two of Swords right side up here, and then the Ace of Cups coming together. So if I just imagine that these are part of the same tarot card, um, the cup is, it's a big cup, and it's being presented sort of by the hand of God, but this person can't see it because they are uh, blindfolded and focused on these two swords that they're holding up here. Holding up in kind of an uncomfortable way, you know, you wouldn't be able to sit like that for very long, it, um, it strikes me. This is almost creating a, a replica of some of the energy in the Four of Cups, the Four of Cups being about apathy, uh, this person sitting under a tree not certain of whether or not they want to take what is being offered them. But I would say that if we were going to use this technique uh, this of combining tarot cards uh, into one card, um, I would say that looking at these together it has a similar meaning to the Four of Cups, but it's slightly different, because here the figure cannot see what is being offered them. There is all this abundance and fantastic emotional fulfillment being offered by the hand of God, but they are completely absorbed in probably an intellectual pursuit, uh, a dichotomy between these two swords, and they're blind to all else. Um, so yeah, that's that's the situation there rather than... And you see, that's different. That would be a different interpretation than if I were going to use the... Um the the keywords and say ah well the two of swords is about a decision being made and the ace of cups is about emotional fulfillment so then when i combine those two meetings i would get simply an emotionally fulfilling but difficult decision like an emotional release comes about as a result of making this tough choice so you you see how those two techniques differ you can use them um, both. I use them both, like I said, but I kind of let my intuition decide uh, what, um, what degree they should overlap or which, which of those two interpretive methodologies I should use. So I hope that's clear. But just in case it's not, let's go ahead and do another example of that particular technique, I think. Um, let's just turn over the next two cards here. Okay, the inverted tower and the queen of pentacles there too. When I'm combining these two tarot cards together, I, um, I see 
a woman that is watching the destruction of something else and she doesn't seem overly concerned about it it's not affecting her and yet she is not withholding her riches or her assistance in the form of her monetary wealth from the unfortunate circumstances that are going on around her she's just not personally directly involved with them um, not feeling moved by them per se um, and the reason we we would see this is because the tower is sort of this stalagmite hanging from the or excuse me a stalactite hanging from the top of the frame there because it's inverted and then the queen of pentacles in her pose she is sort of casting her gaze gently downward sort of moving at the, about the level of her knee um, as she is seated on her throne in this sort of idyllic meadow scene um, and her gaze if you follow it sort of um, is looking at kind of the top of the tower which in this case is upside down and the crown is falling off into uh, the void below. But the queen is pretty serene through all of this, so when you combine the chaotic element of the tower and the um, placid sort of um, nurturing vibe of the queen of pentacles, how does that come together, you know? Um, it suggests the presence of a figure that is able to help, but somebody that is not going to offer it unless you go seeking it uh, first. And there's no guarantee that the Queen of Pentacles would give it, but we know that she is a generous soul in the first place. But um, if this was about a, a person, you know, needing to find help, I would say you're going to have to go seeking it. It's not going to fall into your lap. Like you have to, you have to ask sort of thing. Uh, and that is what I would get out of combining those two uh, in the kind of like pretend it's all one card and combine the uh, combine the images method. Now, if I were going to interpret this using sort of the more keywords method, I would say the tower inverted is about trying to avoid catastrophe, and then the queen of pentacles is about um, having plenty, that nurturing, motherly kind of vibe. Um, I would look at this and say, are you trying to shield yourself or somebody out of a desire, as, as a sort of maternal desire to, to shield somebody from harm, be that yourself or be that somebody that's close to you? The tower indicates that the harm is coming, like the, the unavoidable catastrophe is on its way. And then you have to call into question the Queen of Pentacles and her, her method for handling that. Um, are, are, you, are you doing harm or are you doing good by shielding as long as possible from that inevitable oncoming uh, difficulty, whatever that may be? And that's kind of how I would interpret it using a keyword method rather than the combined imagery method. Let's do one more, one more, and then we can be done. <laughs> we can be done with that. I've got the Two of Pentacles inverted, and I've got Temperance. Okay, these two cards, I've got this fool juggling in an upside-down position, and this angel sort of, like, floating, uh, you know, just above or with feet dangling in the water, and I've got uh, ships involved in the background there, and I've got kind of, um, you know, some rolling hills. I've even got some daffodils. Um, 
when I look at these together uh, and I see they actually they actually have a lot of similarities in terms of visually how they present the temperance card you you remember the angel is pouring uh water from one cup into another and in the same way in the two of pentacles uh the 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 guy is juggling one higher than the other and it's a very similar pose they've got going on so that's kind of interesting as an image i take these together and say something like that some form of higher power guardian angel guardian spirit um guide something like that is trying to show the querent um in this case trying to show the two of pentacles person how to go about properly doing something but he's doing it upside down and backwards you know um as a result of being flipped upside down the card is physically upside down you know um inverted in in this uh, interpret interpretation so it's as though the angel is trying to show this human how to properly do something this divine being is trying to share that with the this mortal um and it's unclear whether or not he will heed the advice but it's it's taken together the images say like there is uh, something from the divine there is a, a a guide or a spirit or an angel that is trying to show you something beneficial to you that's what i would get when combining the images into one card now if i use the keyword method i see here okay two of pentacles inverted that's about an imbalance temperance up right side up is about balance those are two very, very opposite meanings, very, very confusing. I would definitely need to look in context at what's happening in the rest of the spread to be able to make a guess about what's going on there. Or I'd have to ask the querent more questions about what's going on in his or her life. When I'm getting two cards that represent two like exact opposite meanings sort of thing... Um, I would ask something like, okay, are you are you really confused about the balance in your life? Are you going through periods where you feel po perfectly imbalanced and then other moments where you feel totally out of control? Um, because I'm trying to accommodate for both of these opposite meanings uh, within the same interpretation there. So I'm going to have to ask the querent um, to give me some more information to really dig into it and find out how these apply because it's not obvious. These two are very not obvious. But I can tell you that using the keyword method, I'm still going to wait more importance onto the temperance card because it is one of the major arcana um so so yeah that's kind of those are the the cliff notes that i've got for you there on how those would compare in each of the methods that we we've been talking about so hope that's been helpful but that's kind of how I interpret pairs of cards going together i hope that gave you a broad range of ways in which I apply my interpretive technique. It's definitely not perfect, <laughs> and uh, there are always exceptions. I can't possibly can't possibly find a, a way to handle all contingencies and to explain that. And ultimately, you do have to bow to your intuition. You really have to um, be be listening uh, and be feeling into it because if you if you get the feeling that it should be interpreted in this way or the other way, you know, I would wait, again, I would wait more significance on your own intuitive understanding of what the pair of cards before you means than my rules or principles or guidelines that I'm sharing with you in this podcast. But I hope they provide you at least with sort of a starting point, if this is totally new to you, or just 
a different way that you can begin to look at combining card meanings to synthesize uh, something new. If this has been helpful, I would definitely appreciate feedback because it's a, it's a little bit out there. It's the first time I'm having to go through uh, cards and not explain just totally, oh, well, this is what this means, but I've also got to try and like explain it, and I'm making up context to describe what it could be. But yeah, those are, those are plausible examples, I thought. So if they've been helpful to you, fantastic, and congratulations. I hope that uh, you will be able to use some of these ideas whenever you're reading for yourself, your clients, or your friends and family. And there you have it. Those are my best tips for interpreting card pairs using my two favored methodologies. Don't forget to stop by Patreon sometime and see what's cooking over there. Come and visit me on Instagram and do all the liking, subscribing, reviewing, all of those things that give me favor with the algorithm gods. I greatly appreciate that. If you're interested in booking a reading with me, feel free to reach out either via Instagram or by email. I am alacrealtarot at gmail.com. And yeah, until next time, I wish you very happy happy card slinging, and that any card combos that come up, you will find just a little bit easier to interpret. <laughs> Alrighty, bye for now. I'll catch you guys next time. Mm-hmm.